in the toy section than the kid who hangs the fingers from the pegs. Your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It is me again, Icy Robots. I am not a hero. I keep telling you that, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week each and every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, I think it's going to get a lot less weak because coming off the uh, biggest episode of all the times, the Summer Movie Awards, we're going to, uh, we got to catch up. We got some at-the-movies type catch-up type stuff. Going to talk about some movies I saw. We saw, uh, Hell or High Water, which is dope. We saw Budo and the Two Strings. We saw Big Ward winner Don't Breathe. We got some Pokemon Go Talk. There, there's just, you know, there's too much to mention. This is going to be a super fun episode, and I guarantee that you will like it. I don't know what I guarantee it with or whatever, but I think you're going to like it. Unfortunately, our boy Iceberg, he's not here. He decided he called in sick. He's making some kind of a power move. He, he was pretty steamed when Johnny Five no-showed last week, but let me tell you... So was I, but Emily's here, and she's behind the board, so with all that said, let's move into the, uh, next part of the shoe. You are listening to the Toys R Us Report. We were born to be who we are. The bright light from a distant star. Yes, that is what we are, the bright light from a distant star. You can feel us, we're off in the distance, we're just eons and eons away from you, but you can still feel the warmth, you can still feel us shining down. This is uh, Miracles and Answered Prayers, where you're here for the Toys R Us support, and I'm going to tell you guys, going to tell you right quick, I'm just going to go ahead and get the Pokemon Go stuff out of the way, because I know a lot of you guys do like it, but some of you guys, you're not with it, man, but I just got to say, you know, it's the coolest thing going today, so just, uh, just, you know, get with it, man. Just go download the app and play it on your phone, because it's fun. It makes your day-to-day life a a bit less tedious because while you're out there on your grind, just grinding, trying to make that dough, you can also, you know, try to catch some Pokemon. You know, you you might get a Squirtle or War Turtle or whatever. You never know. But uh, this past weekend, we uh, we went to the city. That's what we hear in Sonoma County. That's where I operate out of. That's what we call San Francisco. We call it the city. I don't know what we are because I know that there's probably some dudes... We're the biggest thing between here and, like, Portland. And that's a lot of space. So I bet you there's some hillbillies out there in, like, Lake County or Mendocino County to call where I live the city. But us, us big-timers, we call, you know, San Francisco the city. So we decided, we decided, you know, to uh, for Labor Day, we're just going to head on down there. We went to Japantown, and then I wanted to go to Chinatown while we were there. Uh, 2.0 and her friends, her, her, her uh, homies, her crew. These guys are just like straight up on the Asian tip. They sit around and they listen to K-pop music, you know, Korean pop music. They they play these groups like Seventeen and BTS. They're all, they're super weird. I, I have to hear this music all the time and it's, it's super weird. A lot of it has like 90s hip-hop beats, but it's a bunch of like very effeminate looking Korean teenagers with uh, noodle arms like dancing and singing along to it. There's a girl 
who does a cover of Method Man, which is weird. I hear it every once in a while, and the whole thing will be, like, you know, it'll be in Korean. It's just, you know, and I don't understand a lot of it. And then all of a sudden, they kick into the M-E-T-H-O-D Method Man chorus, and it's just, it's just, it's wild. But it's also horrible because she has, like, this screeching voice, and most of it's in Korean, and every once in a while she'll say, like, got the money, or whatever, and it's it's just, oh my god, it just, it drives me... It drives me batty, and it's just, you know, it's, it's it's this horrible cover of a song that I love for my youth, and I understand what my dad must have felt like when one day I was sitting there listening to MTV Jams, and a TLC comes on, and they do their their version of Ain't Too Proud to Beg, and he hears, he hears the VJ, I don't know who it was, you know, uh, downtown Julie Brown say, up next, TLC, Ain't Too Proud to Beg, and he's like, hold on. Let me hear that because he thinks it's going to be, it's going to be like the Temptations, you know, the version they did, which is beautiful. But instead, he gets these, these girls hip-hopping around and one of them has like prophylactics over her glasses. I remember, I remember this moment distinctly and he just, he, he, uh, he, he appeared as if he wanted to throw up in his mouth. And when I hear this girl doing uh, her version of Method Man, I also want to throw up in my mouth. So I guess it's, uh... I guess it's just come full circle, as it were. But at any rate, we were we're going to the city. You know, they wanted to check out uh, Japantown. Japantown, it's like, it's a mall, more or less. And they do have some cool stuff there. There's like a Japanese video store. There's actually two Japanese video stores. One of them I used to like to go to a lot. Uh, they would get tapes. I guess I, they would record them off satellite, is my guess. But they would have tapes of all the the new Japanese wrestling TV programs, and it's like, it was a rental-only place, so I never got to rent anything, but it was fun to check them out, you know, straight on the bootleg tip, it was fun to check them out, and they would have, like, weird, uh, Japan MMA fighting shows before, before the internet made it easy to get a hold of stuff like this, it was really, you know, the place to be, and then there is another video store, and they seem like they specialize in episodic Asian TV, a lot of what appears to be soap operas, I think, once again, I think they have a satellite and they record the, the you know, the stuff and, and they they make it available to the people who want to follow, you know, their stories, but might not have a satellite of their own. That one's called J-Town Video, I believe. I, I, I can't remember the name of the other one, but I did get a bunch of pictures and I'm going to put those up on uh, icrobots.com. So keep your eyes open for that. It might actually be up by the time you hear this, but... um. What they like to do when they are there is they want to check out the Korean beauty store. There is, like, this really hot fad in Korea right now of wearing uh, face masks, like face cleansing masks. I don't know if you've ever used these. You kind of coat your face with uh, some sort of a solution, and then it kind of hardens a bit, and you peel it off, like when you're peeling off skin after a sunburn, and it kind of cleans out your pores. It pulls stuff out. I don't know. They make these face masks, and they have patterns on them, uh... They bought a couple that have, like, mustaches. So you put them on, you know, your girls, and you put them on, and you each have mustaches, and you look silly. And her friend, her friend, um, got one where she, uh, looked like a snail. I, I kind of wanted to see them, but they, they do them in privacy, and they giggle. And they brought along another friend of hers, this kid named Max, and he's a nice kid. He, he's really into, uh, Pokemon Go. They call him, uh, Maxaroni and Cheese because... He has some kind of special recipe for macaroni and cheese, but I don't know what it is. They've never... I don't know how special it could be. What I do when I make the macaroni and cheese, I put in a, a bit of cream cheese. It kind of helps it melt, and it gets it gets creamier. That 
that's my thing. I always make the home the homemade macaroni and cheese I use cheddar and I like mozzarella and I put a bit of a cream cheese in and I kind of blend it with a bit of milk and butter and it it comes out good and I gotta I gotta salt it a bit but overall that's you know that's my secret recipe for macaroni and uh queso but they wanted to check all these things out and this was cool I had read this before but I didn't remember it when we were until we were there they are doing a Pokemon Go beta test of a new tracking system in only only in San Francisco. It's only for the cultural elite of San Francisco. When, in the game, you know, you're trying to capture all the Pokemon, and it gives you a guide of what is in your area, but it doesn't show you exactly where they are. It just shows you, you know, there might be, for example, a Magnetite somewhere near you. So you want to, you, you know, you have to look all over until you find it, but this new tracking system that they have exclusively in San Francisco, it shows you a picture an actual photograph of where the Pokemon is. It it shows, you know, for example, like a light post or a mailbox or something. And then you have to, you know, you have to go all around the area and see if you can find this exact location. But it was, it was kind of fun because we were, you know, we're in the Japantown Mall and it's just fun for a bit. The kids are off doing whatever they're doing. And, you know, me and the, the old lady are, you know, we're looking for Pokemon because we're dorks. But with this new tracking system... There was one that I wanted. I can't remember what it was exactly, but there was one that I did want that I did not have. That's the thrill of the game, catching Pokemon you don't have. And there was one I did not have, and it showed a, um, like a chart, a chart showing rules next to it, you know, rules for the mall. And the Pokemon would be right there if you could find this chart. So we're just like, we're going all over the place. We went like just about everywhere we could think of in the mall. And then all of a sudden, like this light bulb pops over the old lady's head and she goes, they built a new shopping center down the street. So we, we, you know, we jammed down the street and went into this weird shopping center. We actually had to like go behind the scenes. It took us a few minutes, but we found it. It was right there, right where the sign was. When you're looking for a Pokemon now, they give you... No idea where it might be, just that it is somewhere in your region. And we went pretty far. We went a good three or four blocks. So the Pokemon, when you're looking for them, can be anywhere within this region. And that's just, that's too hard. I had kind of assumed, like, when they showed up on your tracking, that they were somewhere around where you are. Not necessarily right next to you, but, like somewhere nearby but they could be blocks in any direction so i'm really hoping that they take this beta test and they start you know throwing it out for the rest of humanity because i i was pretty pleased we did some pretty good poke searching man i i've kind of come to the realization that the more people there are playing pokemon in an area the more pokemon there will be to catch and the japantown mall is like a hotbed for Pokemon Go, I swear to you, we're walking around, and just about every kid you see, every dude you see, is playing the game, so there's just tons to catch. I I went up two full levels. I'm only level 12. I'm not an expert. I don't play, like, all the time, but I do like to play, and I was able to go up two whole levels, and that's cool, because that's just, like, one day's playing. We had a great time. I got, like, five or six or seven Pokemon that I didn't have before. Um, we had a great time. This was a real fun trip, and this was just in the Japantown Mall, because we still went to Chinatown. And in Chinatown, there was a ton of Pokemon, too. We had such a good time. Japantown is really... It's cool, but it's really quiet. It's really just 
very laid back. There's not a lot going on. But when you go over to Chinatown, it's just, it's bananas. This place is buzzing with activity. There's people going back and forth. People, you know, playing music in the streets. It's really fun. I enjoy it there a lot. There's a park. The parking garage that we use exits on this one park that's in the middle of Chinatown. And every time we go there, there's always people playing music, like traditional music. It's really fun to hear these, you know, these different things. And then there are always old people there playing cards or playing dominoes on cardboard boxes all through the park. It's so much fun. I wonder if they're gambling. I, I kind of think they might be, but they keep it on the low. But they might just be playing for fun. I know not. Anyhow, uh, why don't we... Like, we got to start talking about some of these silly movies that I saw. Let's, uh, let's move into the at the movies. And we are going to start off with Hell or High Water, which I thought was pretty fun. But that's not going to blow the review. It stars uh, Captain Kirk himself, Chris Pine. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper. But you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? It's a big bank. It's too big. That's what she said. This August, critics rave. Hell or High Water is the best movie I've seen this year. Those banks loaned the least they could so they could swipe your mama's land. Open the drawers! Paying them back with their own money. Well, if that ain't Texan, I don't know what is. For two brothers. They're trying to raise a certain amount. That's my guess. Justice. We're going to bend these boys down. Is not a crime. It's a good thing it does. More now. Every step of the way. <laughs> Hell or High Water. Rated R. Select cities, August 12th. The first movie we saw in the At The Movies Catch-Up Edition is a flick called Hell or High Water. Hell or High Water stars Chris Pine, Captain Kirk, and Ben Foster, who, uh, what would you know Ben Foster from? I'm sure you know him. He was Angel in the X-Men in X-Men 3, uh, he was in Alpha Dog. I don't know. He's been in a lot of things. I, I like, uh, Ben Foster. I think that, I think that he has a lot of potential. He... Might not be a strong leading man, but he is a very talented uh, character actor. I He was in 310 to Yuma. He's like the leader of the gang that's out to uh, get Russell Crowe back. I just saw that movie the other day on Cinemax. I saw it when it originally came out in the theater many years ago, but um, I hadn't seen it since. And I remember not liking it all that much. And I, I didn't really uh, like it enough this time through to say that I... I really dug it, but I did like it more than I thought that I had, and a lot of it was due to, uh, Ben Foster. He, he plays a real tough guy in that movie, and he plays a real tough guy in Hell or High Water too. and nothing against the dude, but I don't see him as being a rough-and-tumble guy, but he can really, really pull that role off successfully, especially for being somebody who kind of seems as if they're, uh, on the small end of the of the stature spectrum. So back to Hell or uh, High Water. Hell or High Water is a movie about two brothers who are on a bank robbery spree to try to pay off the the home loan that the bank is quickly trying to foreclose on. It was uh, directed by Dave McKenzie and it was written by Taylor Sheridan. It has brought in um, $4 million at the box office so far. It runs for about 102 minutes, a good hour and 42, which is... That's a real nice uh, length for a movie. It does not play long at all. Uh, you know who else is? And it is uh, Katie Mixon, who you might know as the female lead in Eastbound and Down, the Danny McBride show, the one where he is a baseball player. He's uh, Kenny Powers' 
If you have not watched that, I cannot recommend that high enough. Uh, Eastbound and Down is fantastic. And this movie, Hell or High Water, is... It's real good, too. It, uh, it also has Jeff Bridges. Jeff Bridges is the old, wizened Texas Ranger that is tasked with, uh, bringing these two bank-robbing brothers in. What they do is, and this is all in the trailers, uh, there is one particular bank in Texas that is trying to foreclose on their house, and what they do is they go and they rob each and every branch of this bank that they can find because they don't want to steal. They don't want to consider themselves thieves, but they think the banks are thieves. So what they're doing is they're stealing from the bank and then they're paying the bank back with their own money. It's, uh, it's kind of funny. It's kind of cool. It is real high on action. There's a lot of, a lot of tension, a lot of action, a lot of bank robbing scenes. Chris Pine, Chris Pine is a real good actor. And I know there's nobody out there that's saying he's not, but the dude really can... He can really do some stuff when he's given a nice role. And in this one, he plays... He plays the older, more sensible brother to uh, the young, impetuous Ben Foster. And he, he's really successful at it. You can really feel his, like, down-to-earth, lean, uh, cowpoke thing going on. And when Ben Foster, you know, he he's just, you know, he's a loose cannon. He could just go off at any time. And this is a role he really excels at. He was just like this in Alpha Dog and... He was just like this in 310 to Yuma, like we just said, and he can really, uh, he can really come across as just, I, I, I got a short fuse, man. I might blow up at any moment. I, I recommend this movie. I recommend it quite a bit. It's not one that you per se have to see in the movie theater. I think it would play just as well at home on a VHS or Laserdisc or whatever, whichever one of the fine formats you prefer. I don't know. I, myself... I'm still a VHS man. I like the option to record, but I do understand that some of you dudes are moving on to on the laser disc, and I can appreciate that. You know, you get you get improved clarity, and you know, you get fantastic sound, and I can dig that. But I still like to record shows off TV and watch them again later. So until you can do that on a laser disc, I'm 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 just gonna be sticking to VHS. But uh, you can probably wait till this one comes out in whichever rental format you prefer, because even though there's action. And even though there's a lot of great shots of the wide open Texas expanses, you don't, you don't necessarily have to see it. If you got, you know, you got a nice TV set up over your house, you know, you got projector TV or whatever, you'll, uh, you'll be just fine. But I do, I do highly recommend it now. I think it's, I don't know if I mentioned this already, it's I think 99% over on Rotten Tomatoes with the critics, and it's like 89% with the people. So this one, it's widely thought of as a fantastic film. I think that I gave it, I gave it uh, three and three quarter mics on the source meter. I have a chart. I have a chart up here on the wall of every movie I see when I see it, and uh, what how many mics I give it on the source meter. And I think this one's sitting at three and three quarter mics. It's real good. Uh, you, you know, even... Even if you don't like it, it is short enough that it's not a giant waste of time. So why not? Why not take a chance? What do you got to lose? What are you doing that's so important anyway that you can't check out this nice flick, Hell or High Water? Meet the summer's newest hero. I can fly? Apparently. Kubo is a rebel. Tread carefully, Kubo. <laughs> Perfect shot. Kubo is a warrior. You got this. Yes! Whoa, put that down. It's sharp. Kubo is... Impressive. <laughs> Kubo in theaters in Real D3D. Rated PG. 
the second movie that we saw that we got to catch up on on this week's edition of At The Movies is Kubo in the Two Strings. Kubo is, it's a stop motion animated film. It's, it's really interesting to look at it. The stop motion is so good that it almost appears as if it's actual like computer animation, but done in the form of a stop motion animation. But it is in fact actual stop motion animation, which I I love a lot. It looks uh, it looks a lot like Coraline. I don't know if you if you know that movie, but I hope you do because that one's fantastic too. Uh, let's take a look at some of the deets about Kubo right now. Kubo and the Two Strings was. Directed by Travis Knight II, and it was written by Mark Haynes, and Mark Hames, rather, I want to get that correct, and Chris Butler. They are the team that brought you Paranorman. The movie stars Art Parkinson as Kubo, Charlize Theron as the monkey, uh, George Sakai as Masoto, uh, Matthew McConaughey as the samurai beetle, I don't know the exact name of the character, uh, Rooney Mara is in it, she plays, uh, the evil aunt to Kubo. Uh, Kubo is set in sort of a fantastical ancient Japan. And it's the story of... It's the story of this boy named Kubo who has the power to animate paper. And he uses this power to to tell stories in the town. He is he is a storyteller. That's, that's what I would call his profession. We don't have... We don't really have anything like it now. But he, you know, he sets up in, in the middle of the town. And he uses his abilities to animate uh, pieces of paper. And they act out the fantasy stories that he tells. His mother is a being of great power. But something has happened to her to where... To where she's very weak. She's very weak and she's very frail. And Kubo has to spend... He has to spend his time taking care of her. But one thing she's very clear about, even through her haze, is do not go out at night. By by the time the sun goes down, be home. And the reason that she wants this is because her sisters are looking for him because they want to... They want to take his eye. He He already only has one eye and they want his other eye and... The reasoning behind all this is is the story of Kubo. This is it's really sad. It's a very sad story. Um his father is lost a long time ago. His mother is very sick and he he's young and he has to take care of his of his ailing mother. It's a very it's a very very taxing tale. It's difficult to watch. Um but the performances in it are very good. I thought that Charlize Theron as as a warrior monkey, she's the one who is is taxed with protecting Kubo from the the evil sisters. She's fantastic in it. She she's like a savage warrior monkey. And who would have thought? Who would have thought all these many years ago when we first saw Charlize Theron in like Two Days in the Valley or uh, that thing you do? Who would have thought that someday she would have made her made her bones playing just ferocious characters like a uh, well like um Furiosa or the Warrior Monkey? Who would have thought? Who would have thought that uh, inside of just, you know, the, the, the beautiful leggy model Charlize Theron is just a warrior ready to come out. But hey, man, I'm glad it came out because she really kills it in this role. And Matthew McConaughey as he's he's a samurai and he's a beetle. He's a giant samurai beetle. He He's great in it, too. This is, I would recommend this movie. I enjoyed it quite a bit. The old wife enjoyed it quite a bit. But uh, 2.0 did not enjoy it. She she couldn't verbalize or she wouldn't verbalize to me what it was that she didn't like about it. But there was something. And I kind of think that it might be because Kubo loses his father and then he loses his village. And 
thing by thing is being stripped from him. And I, I asked her, I said, is that what it is? Because, you know, Kubo, Kubo lost his father. And she looks at me and she's like, no, that's not it at all. So I was kind of hoping maybe that had sort of choked her up a bit. But no, that, uh, and that's not a spoiler either. That's explained within like the first couple minutes of the movie when Kubo, Kubo's talking to his mom. Um, I, I kind of hope that maybe just, maybe the thought uh, of losing her father would would make it so the movie was not enjoyable to her. But she said that's not it. And she said it in a manner that was convincing enough that I I can believe it. But she did not enjoy it. She said it was something, something about the way the story was told. She said it just didn't, didn't feel, it didn't feel full was something I remember her saying. She said it didn't feel like a full story. And I can understand that. It's one of those movies where things happen and they don't necessarily go out of their way to explain to you why, why they happen. But I appreciate that because... I look at it as if whoever made the movie respects my intelligence enough that they don't have to explain everything to me. They can just let me feel it and let me infer it and let me figure it out for myself. But she did not like that aspect of the movie. And I don't know. I think that might be important to mention just because, you know, you might want to bring your family and you might want to you might want to know what they might think in advance. And all I can say is she didn't dig it that much. But uh, it did definitely seem like it would be right in her wheelhouse. But it was not, but overall, I, I thought it was good. I'd give it like a solid 3.5 mics out of 5. It's really great animation, really great voice acting. Some real interesting stuff goes on in this movie. I'm trying not to use the word real so much, but uh, hey man, I keep it real and there's some real interesting stuff going on in this movie and I would see it. Wait, you know, you don't necessarily have to see it on the big screen either, but um, if I had... A category for the best animated feature in the Summer Movie Awards. I do think that this one would have taken it away. And hopefully next year I will. We're looking to expand. With the success of the first show, we want to expand it next year. Add some categories. And best animated feature is, you know, definitely one that's on the list. But uh, with all that said, let's take a look at the final movie we saw this week. A uh, scary movie that went by the name of Don't Breathe. Every few years, a movie comes along with a twist so shocking, it leaves critics breathless. Don't Breathe is a good horror movie, man. It is good. It is scary. And as far as that twist that they were just talking about a second ago in the trailer, when it happens, uh, it's going to stick with you for a while. It's going to, um, it's gonna, it's gonna get in your head, man. It is going to stick with you and you won't, I'm not going to say you'll never be the same again, but, uh, you probably won't forget it. I'll say that. Let's see. Let's check out the stats. On good old Don't Breathe is currently at a 86% on the tomato meter, 83% audience score, which is, that's really good. That is, for a horror movie, that's pretty, uh, pretty high. It uh, has 118 votes for Fresh, 19 for Rotten. I don't know who would have said it was Rotten, but, um, it was not. It stars Jane Levy, who I, I don't know anything about her at all. I can't think of anything that I saw her in. She's very short and... That's always good in a horror movie when when the heroine is like very small or very slight. It uh it really ramps up the tension and her stature really helps out. It stars her and also Stephen Lang, who you might know, he's a white-haired guy, really muscular for an older fella and he's the guy who wanted to be Cable 
when Deadpool said they wanted to cast a Cable movie, he was like, I'll be the one who plays Cable in your Deadpool movie because you never said you wanted to make a Cable movie. You said you wanted to make a Deadpool movie and I'll be Cable. He was also in Avatar. He was one of the bad guys. I I see him in some giant, like, mech walker. Like, the whole thing is animated and there you see, like, his real head in there. I, I seem to recall him in that. Uh, he is the bad guy in this one, Don't Breathe. Uh, the deal is he's blind. He he lost his sight during, uh, I believe it's the Iraq War, or maybe it's Desert Storm. I don't, I don't know. Um, when I was younger, everybody had, had lost it during Vietnam, and it's weird. It's weird to hear you see like an older guy, a vet, and he lost it during the Iraq War because, man... That seems like it was just a, a while ago, but I guess it was a while back, even though in some sense, like, these things are still going on, but I don't want to get political. Uh, he is, he's like a Vietnam vet. He he is a Desert Storm vet. No, he is an Iraq War vet. I'm, I'm losing, I'm losing my train, my guys. I'm losing my train. Uh, but anyway, on top of, you know, losing his vision in the war, he also lost his daughter to a car accident. But in that, he, he received a giant settlement and these three creeps... These three teenage creeps who, uh, they're crooks, they're robbers, they're, you know, second story men. They break in and they take off with your money. They hear he has the money in the house and they're just like, let's rob him and get it. But as soon as they get in there, the tables get turned on them and the hunters become the hunted. I wouldn't call them hunters. Maybe they're money hunters. The money hunters become the prey to this whacked out blind guy. It is... A very good movie. Very tense. Very scary. They build up the, uh, they build up the scary spots with a lot of tension. Things happen that you don't expect. I, if you're into horror, uh, you, you may have already seen this. This was actually the number one movie of all movies for two weeks in a row, which is crazy because, you know, horror movies don't do, they do okay, but very seldom are they, like, the number one movie of all the movies for, you know, for two weeks in a row. That's, that's, uh... That's pretty impressive. This movie is very reminiscent to me of Green Room. And I'm not saying they bit Green Room because they would have already had to have this in motion around the same time. But it's kind of a more, it's kind of a more mainstream Green Room. A lot of the same things happening. I don't know if you remember me talking about Green Room. It stars uh, Anton Yelchin and Imogen Poots. It came out earlier in the year. It's uh, a movie about a punk rock band that gets stuck in a white supremacist stronghold after after performing a show and seeing a murder, and I think that's my number one or number two movie of the year. It's either Green Room or Sing Street is uh, neck and neck, and Don't Breathe, it's kind of the poor man's more mainstream Green Room, and that's not a bad thing because, like I just said, Green Room is excellent, and Don't Breathe is excellent too. If you, I took the wife, and she liked it. I, she, she went with, and... She thought it was a good movie. She gave it a thumbs up. So she is not the biggest fan of horror. She will not watch anything with any kind of mystical horror. She will not watch Ghost, even though she did see uh, Crimson Peak. But that's more because it had a Guillermo uh, del Toro stamp on it. But she does not want to watch Ghost, Hauntings, Poltergeist, or anything. But she will. She can take a survival horror movie like Green Room or this or The Shallows. Or if something, if something's getting a lot of good press, she'll want to see it too. And Don't Breathe is getting some good press. And if you're into the genre, see it. I can't recommend it high enough to a horror fan. And there is a twist that will uh, disgust you and stay with you for a... Uh, for all of the times, even though I said I would say it wouldn't, you might remember it for years to come. Uh, 
that's it, man. We are all caught up on the movie. So let's, uh, let's hop forward into this final segment of the show. A segment known as the Toys R Us Report. <laughs> drop by supportthereport.com and consider becoming a show patron for as low as a measly dollar a month. It's the right thing to do. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment, your weekly toy shop update, the Toys R Us Report. Okie doke, we are back for the final segment of the show. Man, I, I have a cough. Do you guys, do you guys ever get a cough? It's, uh, I don't, I don't often. I do, you know, sometimes, you know, I get like an irritated throat and I'll cough. But, uh, for whatever reason, my allergies are just giving me a cough. And man, I am like fighting off this whole time. I'm fighting off. I'm doing it for you. I'm trying not to, trying not to cough in your ear. But, uh, we are at the final segment of the show. This part is known as the Toys R Us Report. And right now is an important moment because we are going to do some some big show news starting on now mark this date down this date that the show drops is the 14th of September on the 23rd which is going to be the Friday after next we are going to be changing the name of the feed for this program to IC Robots Radio the reason for this is well, it's many. Uh, the feed will be known as IC Robots Radio, and I want you to think of that as, like, the name of the station, the name of the network. Now, this show is now and will always be known as the Toys R Us Report, but underneath the IC Robots uh, Radio banner, I want to do some other things. And there are some reasons why I want to do it, and I'm going to get into it right now. Um, I have been recording patron-only shows. I've been doing the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe. And uh, I think right now we have just dropped episode four. I've recorded up to and past episode 10. And I think that it's a fun show. I think it's a fun show. And I worry that it's not getting to enough ears. I only have, I only have a few patrons. And I don't blame that on anybody. I'm happy I'm happy that anybody in the world thinks to give us anything, and I know that money, money's hard to come by, but I only have a few patrons, and as much as I enjoy recording these shows for them, I want to get, I want to get as many ears as I can on them, because they're getting real positive feedback. The people who hear them enjoy them, and I want to get them, I want to get them out to you. I want to have the chance for people to hear them, so I'm going to take the audio handbook of the Marvel Universe, and I'm going to drop it under the IC Robots radio banner. I don't have I don't have a schedule yet set for that, but I am going to start trying to drop those on a regular basis. Um changing the name of of the overall thing is not going to affect you in any way except that when you're when you're trying to find the Toys R Us report on the list of your podcasts that you follow in your podcast software, it's now going to be a bit higher alphabetically. It's going to be under I for IC Robots radio. It's going to be all one word. You should not have to change anything. It should all be fine for you because the name of the RSS feed is going to stay the same. I could change that, but I don't see the point because it's not something a lot of people see. And I don't want to have people have to resubscribe, but I do want to have other shows under the banner of a bigger, 
bigger umbrella that will be known as IC Robots Radio. So expect that on Friday the 23rd, as well as the Handbook of the Marvel Universe, which is a fun show. People who have heard it are, are enjoying it. We've already done episodes on The Purple Man. We've done episodes on Luke Cage. We've done one on She-Hulk. We've done one on Star Fox. I have upcoming episodes on Galactus. I have one on The Falcon. I have one on Hellcat. And these are already recorded, so expect those to start hitting soon. But I also want to do... I want to do a couple special episodes. I have some ideas, and I want to drop some special presentations. I have one that I'm working on about dogs, where I'm going to talk about... uh, I love dogs. I am just... I'm a dog lover, man. Dogs and me, we get along great. And I've had dogs my whole life. And I want to go through and I just want to do a special episode for all you dog lovers out there where I talk about all the dogs I've ever had, where I got them, you know, what I like to do with them. Just, I just want to talk about dogs. And I have one uh, in mind about bowling. Bowling has always been a big part of my life. I love to bowl. And I want to, I want to talk about bowling. I want to talk about my career as a bowler. I want to talk about my old school bowling team, the Cash Money Millionaires. I want to talk about, uh, I have an idea for a show about the the history of uh, local comic shops here that I've gone to. And I'm going to put these all under the banner of the IC Robots Radio. I have ideas. The, 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 main, the main reason for, for my ability to do this is uh, I've gathered enough money from the patrons. I want to thank all you guys. I've gathered enough and I was able to upgrade to the unlimited package, meaning I can put as much as I want now up until this moment, I've had enough where I can do maybe a half an hour, 35-minute show every week. But I'm up in the unlimited zone, so I can I can do what I want. And with that, I want to start adding more shows to you. Now, it might be a while till you start seeing the effects. It might be kind of a trickle-down thing, because I do got to work on some stuff. I got to formulate some stuff. It's not like all these shows will appear, but uh, keep your eyes peeled. It's going to be on the 23rd of September. We're flipping the script, and the name of this overall will be... I See Robots Radio, and what you're listening to right now is the flagship show of I See Robots Radio, the show known as The Toys R Us Report. If you have any questions, hit me up on Twitter. It's at I See Robots, at I-S-E-E Robots. It's all one word. Hit me up there, and I'll do my best to explain anything that I can. Uh, I want to thank the patrons. I want to thank them for helping me get enough money to where I could upgrade the package. If you would enjoy becoming a show patron... If this is something you want, please do so. Please do so. Just hop on over to supportthereport.com. Everything will be explained to you there. Uh, you can get in for as small an amount as a dollar a month. And all the money goes toward the production of the show, man. You know, it's just, it all goes right back into it. And I appreciate anything. I appreciate anything at all. And if you appreciate, if you appreciate what I do, and if you appreciate what I'm going to be doing for you, Consider going to supportthereport.com, you know, for as little as a buck a month you can get down with the uh, gold key membership, as it were. I hope, though, I hope as a patron, if you are, you know, if, you're, if you are one and you're, you're checking this out right now, I hope you don't feel like, like you are, are being betrayed. When I first started doing the patron-only shows, the idea was, you know, I'm going to start doing something and maybe people who enjoy the show and they want a bit more would be willing to join up as a patron to to be able to access these other things, but as so far, you know, as unfortunate as it is, the the influx of new patrons has been just about zero, so I don't know. I don't feel as if I'm betraying anybody who, who signed up, you know, as a patron, because to be honest, I believe there was only one person who signed up to get the bonus episodes, and I, I would hope that this gent is is happy that the money they've given as a patron 
has gone to buy the freedom of every other other person out there because if it wasn't for them, we wouldn't be able to go unlimited style and these things wouldn't be available. So just think of it that way. You bought everybody's freedom with your generous donations. Um, let's see what's going on in the world of uh, pop culture type stuff. I just saw that Joe Manganiello, Manganiello is going to be playing Deathstroke, the Terminator, in the first Batman solo movie. You might know Joe from from True Blood. He played Alcide. He was one of Sookie's many boyfriends. He is a monstrous guy. He's married to Sofia Vergara. Uh, if that matters, I don't. I don't know why it does. She, she, she you know, she's she's a nice looking lady, and he is a monstrous dude. He's giant. I don't know how big he is. He's done some stuff with uh with the WWE, and when he's in the ring. He's bigger than a lot of dudes. He's as big as like Jack Swagger and Jack Swagger is a giant. I mean, this guy's gigantic and he's buffed. He's big, he's huge. He's going to be perfect. I never I never saw Deathstroke as being a giant, but being a giant is not a hindrance to his character. It only makes him more more threatening. I'm really Deathstroke is cool, but I I'm surprised at some of the success he's had over the years cuz so far we've seen him in he's in Teen Titans, the Teen Titans cartoon that uh 2.0 used to watch, but they call him Slade. I guess Deathstroke is too too hardcore of a name for a kids show. That's all good. And then he's on Arrow. He he uh, was one of the guys who helped keep Arrow on the island, and you got to see him like in the mask. And I think he's in the new Titans cartoon, and it's cool, man, because he is an interesting character. He's kind of he's like a mercenary type dude, and he has amazing skills. I think the idea is that like we as normal people can only access 10% of his, of our brains, you know, you know that old trope and uh death stroke for whatever reason. He can access the other 90%. So he's faster, he's stronger, he's smarter. He's better than us in every way. He only has one eye. So, you know, maybe he's only better than us in you know like 95%, but he he has a sword, he has martial arts, he wears pirate boots. He He's cool, man. I got uh, I got nothing against Deathstroke, and I think that he'll be a nice addition to the Batman movie. I have a hard time thinking he's going to be the main antagonist, though. He, uh, as a mercenary, must have been hired by somebody because he very seldom acts on his own unless he's trying to take out the uh, Teen Titans. So he must have been hired by somebody. My guess would be the Joker. I would think that if I'm going to do a Batman movie, I got to get something out of that Jared Leto Joker. So I would probably put him in that, but... uh. The two of them together, you know, if they're both going after Batman, he's in a lot of trouble. Uh, I was thinking about this the other day, and I might have mentioned this before, but have you ever noticed that when they changed the style of the Batman, no matter how much you enjoyed the previous Batman, he always seems to appear ridiculous compared to the new one now. I loved the Christopher Nolan movies when they were, I love them. I still watch them today. I think they're great. But... As soon as Batfleck, Ben Affleck, came out there and you saw him in the Batman v Superman, which wasn't a great movie, but he was good in it. And when you see him in Suicide Squad, which he's very good in too, and these like Justice League trailers where he's putting the team together. When you see these things, you go, this is Batman. This is the guy who's bringing the real comic Batman. And you, you think back to uh, Christian Bale and his armor and all that stuff. And you go, ridiculous. And I think one of the things that... That really, uh, you know, helps sell Affleck as Batman is the hood. He has a very realistic looking hood as opposed to like a uh, completely armored helmet that won't let you turn your head. So he does, you know, he does have that over everybody else. His uniform is more, more soft, not soft, but it's, uh, you know, like a more of a flowing material than the uh, previous Batmans who always had like a, 
they were encased in plastic. They were like frozen in carbonate, you know, just completely sealed in. So his movement, his ability to move just really, really puts him over the top. I think that when he gets his own movie, I think that it's going to, I think it's going to be something special, man. And a lot of people were dissing on the dude at first, but now, I don't know, man. Now he's, he's really bringing it. Uh, what else is going on? I just heard they're going to be using the human target on Arrow. He is one of my favorite characters. Yeah is a guy by the name of Christopher Chance, and he could best be described as a bodyguard. He's a bodyguard who is a master of disguise. He almost has, like, a superhuman ability to uh, imitate people. If you hire him, what he does is he takes you and he moves you to a safe location until the danger's gone, and he comes in and he takes your place. He becomes you. He studies you for a while before sending you off to the safe space, and he, he becomes you. He becomes exactly you. He appears as you. You could be an old woman and he will be exactly like you. You could be you could be Emmanuel Lewis and he will become Emmanuel Lewis. I don't know how he does it. I have no idea, but he does it. And he's going to be on the Arrow next year. The the Human Targets had a couple different couple different chances at a TV show. He had one way back way back in the day where he was played by Rick Springfield and then there was another one where he was played by uh I, I don't know the name of the actor. He was in Pacific Rim. He was the father of the dude who was a jerk who was always fighting with uh, Jack, some son of anarchy. And he's that guy. And that show lasted, I think it lasted two seasons. It's currently playing on El Rey. So if you're interested in that, you can definitely check it out. But there's something in the character that makes people want to go back and back to him. He's had a few different uh, successful comic series over the years, but nothing that's, nothing that's ever stick. He had one... I don't know, man, must have been like 10 years ago now from Vertigo that was really good where he started, he started having like an identity crisis after, after, you know, imitating so many people, he started to wonder who he was. He, then they kind of implied that he might not even be Christopher Chance, that like that role might've been one that he took a long time ago and he's been, been stuck in ever since. It was really interesting stuff, but he's going to be on Arrow. What I would do if I had... The chance to do like a Christopher Chance human target show. This is how I would do it. He would start off on the show and you have the actor, this say Rick Springfield. Rick Springfield is the human target and he gets hired on a case and you find out what the case is. And then when he takes over the person, for example, let's say he's hired to protect uh, Sherman Helmsley from some assassins. As soon as he takes over the role of Sherman Helmsley, Sherman Helmsley becomes the main character in the show. Like, Christopher Chance is just gone, and it's Sherman Helmsley, or it's Emmanuel Lewis, or Madonna, or whoever. And the actual person is playing the role of, you know, the Christopher Chance in disguise. Every week it would be, beginning of the show, Rick Springfield, he comes in, he explains what's going on, and then it's like, you know, whoever is, you know, the main target is now the main actor in the show. And then at the end, you know, Christopher Chance comes back after he's, you know, solved the case or protected the person. And he's like, check it out, guys. Here I am. It's me, Christopher Chance. I'm back again, you know. You could never tell that I was uh, Leonard Nimoy or whatever. I don't know. I hope that makes sense. But I'm excited to see Christopher Chance on Arrow. I think it's going to be cool. Um, I hope they get it right this time, man. But even if they don't, it's it's another chance for one of my off-the-wall, obscure favorite characters to get on TV. So... How could I complain about that? That's uh, some DCW news for you. But I'm going to get up out of here. We're like at the 45-minute mark. And I got I got to go hit those vents. Got to go hit those ducks, icebergs off. Emily, I thought we'd hear from you. But uh, I can see you back there in the booth, you know, 
So you're doing, you're doing, you're doing a good job, man. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to come on air if you don't want to. No one's, no one's going to make you. We like it when you do, but no one's going to force you. But, uh, at any rate, this is me, Icy Robot, signing off for Emily Iceberg. He's not here. This is episode number 92 of the Toys R Us Report. And if you don't know, now you know. This has been an IC Robots radio production.